Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show which reveals the habits, fears, failures, and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs, with new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, here's your host, Simon Sander. Let's get into the show. Today's featured guest is Ed O'Keefe. Welcome, Ed. Hi, how, how are you today? Thanks for having me on. I'm happy here, man. Yeah, and hello to all your uh, your listeners. This is great. I love what you're doing. Ed is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, and father of seven children. <laughs> I can't believe I'm still saying that. He went from being dead broke to building several multi-million dollar businesses from scratch. So Ed, take a minute to fill in some gaps from that intro and give us a little glimpse to your personal life. Yeah, so I mean, I grew up in, a, in the south side of Chicago. Uh, I'm one of 13 kids, so I'm the 12th, which means I'm the youngest boy in the family. Um, I have a younger sister. And, uh, you know, grew up in a uh, blue-collar family, hardworking family. Um, and, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to get to go to college only because I, I started playing volleyball around the age of 16, and got a scholarship to play. Um, studied nursing, got my degree in, in my bachelor's in nursing. Um, however, I, I I went a totally different path. You know, I um, I think it was around my junior year in college that I first started um, listening to personal development. I mean, you know, back then, man, there wasn't there wasn't uh, podcasts like what you do, which is fantastic. Was it like Brian Tracy and Tony Robbins audio tapes. Yeah, I had to find audio tapes. Actually, the first two I read were or listened to were Dennis Waitley, uh, Psychology of Winning, and then Lead the Field by Earl Nightingale. And, um, you know, once I started hearing that, hey, you know, you, you live in a time and in a place where you can go create your own future, that, that stuck with me. And I think with almost every entrepreneur, or p- aspiring entrepreneur, or, or people that are uh, in that period of like bridging that gap, they can all relate to like the first time where they got a glimpse of, oh, you mean I can actually uh, create my own life and my own future? And it's a hard, it's a hard bug once you get it <laughs> to not follow it. And it's um, so that was, you know, that was I'm 41 now. That was around 22, uh, almost 20 years ago. And so the last 20 years, uh, I've been trying things, failing at things, and um, you know, and I and I grew a couple successful companies, and then uh, still run a couple. And uh, you know, I came out with the book "Time Collapsing," um, which I'm happy to talk about. And um, and now, you know, it didn't happen overnight. But my wife and I have seven children and live on the south side of Chicago now. So live a very ordinary, extraordinary life. <laughs> so Ed, uh, you've started many companies. At age 26, you started dental coaching business. After that, uh, you've done a lot of coaching. What is something you're most proud of? Well, in the context of coaching or in the context, I mean, the, um, I think the, you know, I mean, this can go many different ways, right? So what I'm most proud of from a business perspective is that I never quit that there was many times. Um, and you know, I've always, and I've always done things that were kind of out of left field. Like for example, I was never in, there was no reason for me to be in dentistry. I had no family from out of dentistry. Um, it was purely a market that I chose based on research we did. And, um, and then in the health supplement business, I was brand new to that as well. 
So I think I, one thing is kind of common with me that I'm proud of is I've always enjoyed learning new things and and putting myself in environments where I was forced to grow because the um, there wasn't necessarily a clear like clear path. And um, I think as entrepreneurs, you know, one thing that we experience is confusion a lot and lack of clarity and because we're trying to figure out something new we're we're like um we are what they would call as the uh you know like the tip of the spear we are at the edge of creating new things and so while there's models we can follow um there's really at the end of the day not one model for what you specifically want to do no one can read your vision and your heart so you kind of got to follow that through. And so I feel for the most part, I've done that and continue to, to strive for that. It's not always clear, but, you know, uh, I'm proud that I'm always pressing forward and always striving to be better. So I guess uh, it's kind of going off that uh, we always start our start our podcast with the same question. Uh, tell me as an entrepreneur, what is the one thing that you do that you feel has been the biggest contributor to your successes so far? Um, probably if, if anything, learn rapidly and test things very rapidly. And I would say take action, you know, like test things by taking action rapidly. Um, that is the, you know, at the end of the day, you can take theories and concepts and ideas and, uh, you know, they, they, they don't go anywhere unless there's a driver of them. And I think the real secret is the, the fearlessness of of just getting moving with your idea construct or concept and then and getting results but but the reason I, I i couple that with learning rapidly is that if you are somebody who's just going to take massive action with wild abandonment <laughs> you're going to end up in some crazy places and you're going to lose a lot like a lot and while um while there's a lot of uh, benefit in failing fast, you also need to have the idea of my goal is to learn extraordinarily fast as we iterate and optimize and test. Um, so I think my number one thing, the most amount of opportunities that, that have come in my entrepreneurial career are twofold. And I, I'm going to add one here just because I, I don't I want I think it's too important to not. So it was testing out and taking action really quickly. And then this is kind of one out of the uh, left field a little bit or right field. But um, in my book, I, I wrote a whole chapter about it. It's called Kindness Works. And I think just being kind to people goes a long way. And if you're going to do this thing for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, 80 years, 100 more years, um, realizing that business is not a blood sport. It's not something that you have to be, um, you know, there's got to be a winner and a loser. I think, um, so I think that uh, just being really nice to people goes a long way, especially I'm seeing that more over a longer period of time because uh, that it just, it, it's not something that people measure right away, even though some do, um, but it's something over the long haul really makes a big difference. So being nice to people and kind, uh, do you leverage one-on-one uh, -on -one connections, uh, answer all the emails on your own, answer the tweets you get, stuff like that? Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I do my best. Um, 
you know, at our, at our show, at O'Keefe show, Facebook feed. And, uh, th- so I don't monitor those daily. Um, you know, I have enough time keeping up with all the inbound communication with my own internal team. And like, you know, like Gary V, for example, he lives by looking at his community. There's some guys who just, they wake up and they only think about the community. Um, I think it's a quick way to lose track of who you are and you're now moving and you're, you're on a tidal wave that you're constantly, um, nurturing the, the herd. I, I think there's value in that, but I also think there's a lot of value in waking up and writing out what you want to accomplish based on what you feel is most important, based on what you want to create and then go do that. Um, you know, there's a time and place for everything, but I, I really, um, look for things that I could do that are highly leverageable. So like our live seminars are fantastic. And then we have recordings and people can go do them. Um, I, I don't really feel, um, I've always, um, I've always gotten, like, I've enjoyed doing Facebook lives and I, um, enjoy doing things live, but I don't like when I feel the pressure to wake up and make up something to talk about just because I'm supposed to. I think that's silly. I think it's really silly and it's bad advice. And and here's why, man. Yeah. I think cause you end up putting yourself, um, talking about stuff that you're just talking about because you feel like you have to stay consistent. Now there might be some people that would disagree with it. And here's the reality to them disagreeing. They're right too. <laughs> They're right too. So your listeners just got to find what fits their personality and what fits their, um, their mojo. I mean, you know, like some people go like, well, let's do Facebook lives or let's, let's be on every single messenger. Let's be on every single tweet. Let's be on every single thing. Or you just create some amazing content that you can boost to a specific audience. And that could run for the next 365 days and never, never wear out. And you build a very, 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 very large audience, but you did it one time. Uh, when you were inspired or you really felt something was valuable and that value can last a long period of time. So I look at building pillars like that. No, that is interesting. Uh, like you said, a lot of people would disagree with that because uh, let's, let's say in an example of content marketing, uh, uh, you set a schedule for yourself to write every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And on Mondays, you don't feel on 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 one Monday, you just don't feel like writing, but your audience is expecting it. Um, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, you know, um, your initial question was about, do I respond to everybody personally? So just to clarify, <laughs> um, yeah, if you create an internal calendar that you're like, hey, I'm committing to Monday, Wednesday, Friday, then you got to write. Then that's fine. That's your that's what you've committed to because you made that commitment. Um, like Tim Ferriss, big fan of Tim Ferriss. I know he's going to put one podcast out and I'm going to get his Friday email, right? Um, but what you don't know is that Tim may have created that podcast four months ago. And he also may have written that Friday email in one day throughout the month when he wrote his other four Friday emails. You see what I'm saying? So I just like bulking what I'm doing. I don't like getting caught up into the short term, um, 
chasing, you know, every message that comes across my desk and treating it the same. I, I, that's just not the system I use. And quite frankly, when people ask me, how do I raise seven kids and be an entrepreneur and work out and coach volleyball um, and still be very happy and not really stressed out, the, it's because I don't I, I feel like I um you know, uh, I, I create my, I think we all need to create your own priorities and your own like structures. So if you're a writer and you say, Hey, I'm gonna wake up right every morning. Well, guess what? You're committing to that. You got to get up and write every morning, right? If you say, Hey, I want to do Facebook lives every morning. Well, and you're committing to that, then guess what, buddy? You're doing it every morning. I don't feel like that system works for me personally. That's where I was going. And your, your audience needs to figure out the system they, they, that does work for them. Because you're right, consistency matters. So if you're going to do it once a month, it's once a month. If it's once a week, if it's once a day, et cetera, et cetera, you know. So I guess uh, I want to talk about uh, raising the kids and uh, running a successful business. Uh, we could probably do a whole podcast on it, but you learned a lot of things uh, pursuing and juggling so many balls. So give us the biggest lessons uh, you learned uh, raising seven kids, uh, running a successful business, coaching uh, Doing all those things, how do you do it? And give us some actionable tips so business entrepreneurs in the audience could do the same. Yeah, I think, well, thanks. You know, I mean, I, I don't like giving a lot of uh, parent, parenting advice because, <clears throat> and here's the underlying premise. Number one is you're a much better parent before you become one. <laughs> and what I mean by that is you think you know everything about parenting prior to being one. And then once you are one, you start realizing how much of the process you're learning and making up as you go along. Like, you know, it's one of those funny things like marriage and parenting. Those two things have been around since the beginning of time, right? So why is it that those are still two of the most uh, things that you really need to work on the most if you want to be good at them? So the first thing I would say is, one, um, be easy on yourself. Like if you are a parent who's who's in very intentional about your kids and wanting them to succeed, wanting to raise confident kids, um, then you choose the languaging in the household that sets some of the underlying belief systems, right? But after that, you know, these kids are going to come out and be totally different and unique and amazing. And you're going to feel like you stink much of the time because you're learning the process. It's like I think one of the most amazing learning journeys, uh, especially if you're someone who wants to be good at it, you know, um, because a lot of people don't intentionally say, I'm striving to be a phenomenal parent. I want to raise highly confident kids who believe in themselves and who will go out and make great choices for themselves and be good to other people. So if you kind of have some of those underlying things, uh, some of it starts you know, you're moving in the right direction, right? Now, I don't know if I answered anything else, but I think the other thing is just um, some of my business choices were based on, uh, you know, like I designed my business around understanding that I want the flexibility to be able to go to all my kids' games, to coach sports with them, to if they need something, if I need to go to the school, I can go to the school. I get them up every morning with my wife. We send them off to school every day. Uh, I'm here uh, every day when they get home. Maybe not exactly when they get home, like a couple hours. But um, So I just think being very intentional with, hey, what kind of life do we want to live? 
And then how do I create my business to just totally support that and build that? And um, that's those are some good chunk frameworks to have fun with and to 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 live life off of. I'm I'm just trying to imagine your average day because we've had a lot of entrepreneurs in the show who say that they don't have. Uh, time for their own business even though they're sole entrepreneurs they don't have time for friendships you have seven kids and you still do a lot of things so you talked about it a bit but let's get really specific with the audience so what are some things they could implement from your lifestyle really specific things well i mean i think number one is like if you okay so it's a big chunk right it's a big question so so number one is if you are an entrepreneur you you then have made the switch of controlling your own time. If you're not and you're you're still working for somebody else, the question then becomes, do you have time freedom to start building out what you want your day to look like? Okay. And if not, you either got to negotiate that or you got to start moving towards the other spectrum, right? So I'm going to talk more from like you have control of your time. So then the first questions become, A, where's your, when is your workout planned in your day? Okay. And then that has to become hard time, meaning meaning if I'm working out every day at 9 a.m., I'm working out every day at 9 a.m. If it's 4 p.m., if it's 7 a.m., it doesn't matter. That's that's that, okay? That takes care of the health component. If you meditate and you don't – most people I've talked to who struggle with meditation or prayer or whatever they're having a hard time with, um, you know, well, I'm not going to go deep into this, but specifically um, – like, for example, I don't like sitting, I don't have the bandwidth or time to just sit for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. So I use apps or audios from YouTube, et cetera, to, to help me with that. And I can also do that in transit, like whether I'm walking from one place to another or something like that. And as far as work goes, after, um, my staff knows that not to put anything on my calendar till after 11 a.m. Um, but I would, um, strategically look at your day as the first 90 minutes to three hours should be spent on the highest leverage income generating activity that has the biggest potential for leverage. Okay. And now this is where we talk about the difference between, you know, doing Facebook lives versus a sales process that I could increase the visitors to it. That once I increase the visitors to it, I make more money and I don't need to be there. That's a very important uh, criteria in my life. Um, and uh, like our health supplement business, we make sales every day. And I spend very, very little time on that company. Um, we have past customers that reorder. Uh, there's a lot of those things that are, are happening without my daily intervention or attention. Um, and then like the other side of that is then if you know when do you want to be done with work like what's your typical day look like is it four o'clock five o'clock six o'clock and um like for me i don't really work past five o'clock is a rarity and then six o'clock is very very rare very very rare. that means i have a hard deadline that i'm working on it could be a seminar i have coming up or something like that um and um and then if you have that parameter then the next part is like well what's the most important things to you and you know is it like I've kind of laid about mine on accident is just by telling you like health is very important. Uh, my spirituality is very important. And then, um, my money is very important. I need to be able to make money. And then fourth is I have time freedom for the family. So the, the hour and a half before I go work out is with the family. 
the, you know, three to four hours at night, getting them ready for bed is usually with the family. So that's kind of how I lay out and structure my things. Um, and then, you know, we're like normal people, like, you know, so how do I spend time with friends? Well, there's a couple of ways. One is I do business with friends. Like usually if I don't like people, I will not do, I, no, I mean, this is a hundred percent guarantee. If I don't get along with someone or if there's no, if there's no, if it doesn't flow, I don't do business with them at all. There's no reason to do business with people you don't like and, uh, or they don't like you or you don't like their energy or something doesn't fit. Number two is, um, so a lot of the people I do business with, my clients, I like them all or else they wouldn't be in my circle. Number two is my friends. Yeah, it's hard to get stay in touch with like my college friends who I'd love to spend more time with. Um, but they have kids. We have kids. So, you know, twice a year is kind of how we do that. My family, we're really close to them. So we see them all the time. Um, and then the neighborhood, we're just like normal people. So, you know, we go to the parish parties and fundraisers and all those other things like everybody else. Um, but what's beautiful about like social media and stuff, uh, is that you can attend events, you can go to seminars, you can meet. And I, and I encourage this. If you don't have a circle of, uh, of, of like-minded people, you need to get out of your circle and, and, uh, you know, attend one of your events or go, you know, they got it. They should be going to some kind of, uh, seminars, masterminds in order to raise and, and maintain and protect their consciousness and their thinking. Does that make sense? I think that was really helpful, honestly. It really uh, broke down uh, how does your average day look like and so, so many golden insights. Uh, uh, thanks for that. Um, I want to talk about the failure and uh, the worst entrepreneurial moment. Um, is there a story which really stood out to you in the past where you faced a major hardship or a major challenge, something that really um, really changed you? Yeah, I mean, I think the first four years were probably the hardest from the perspective of I knew I was meant and destined to do something great. I still feel this way and I still feel like I'm seeking clarity on it. And, um, but I was having the hardest time connecting the dots. Like I didn't know where to focus. I was trying a lot of things. I'd read one book and they'd set it to say, set more goals. I'd read a different book and it would tell me to visualize. And I was just, but my money and my income was just not improving. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was the hardest phase. And I talk a lot about this in the book too, about, um, you know, that space and time was very, very difficult. Okay. But I also experienced times where the companies from the outside looked really successful, but I was, you know, like the economy was dropping, sales were dropping, yet I had 13 employees that I was paying the overhead for. And many of these people I had had on my apparel for over two years. And what I needed to do was get rid of them. Like I need to start letting people go. But I, um, yeah, I mean, that was one of the, the hardest parts completely, uh, is, you know, when I was in the trenches being an entrepreneur and there's similar, I mean, that, that, that's a cyclical thing, you know, because not all businesses stay the same, not all employees remain as passionate or as effective or as vital to a company. And so hiring and then firing or letting people go, uh, is part of, you know, your duties as a CEO. And I would say like, as far as being an entrepreneur, that's the, that's one of the hardest things is the, uh, personal relationships and being able to master that. That's very tough. Let's talk about that a bit. Uh, personal relationships. You mentioned that before as well, 
being kind to people. Um, do you have a philo- do, do you have a philosophy um, you follow uh, strictly, or um, tell me a bit about that? Well, I mean, I think like when it comes to, I mean, yeah, I have a philosophy. I, like you know, I mean, the goal is to find good people who they could work with in your organization or as a contractor internal, and they they um um get to work within their their superpowers, like their strengths. And you don't need to manage them uh, much, but you can lead them. And, uh, you know, what I found is that when you're a visionary like myself, it's you have a really difficult time sitting down and doing managerial work, you know. And so there's many different philosophy on this. And there's people who have written better books on it. But I will say that one of the biggest – I would say one of the biggest mistakes that I see a lot of good entrepreneurs make is – the moment they start making sales, they buy into the book of, well, now they got to become a manager. When the reality is they need to really just hire a really good integrator or operations person to actually run the management for them. Um, you know, so, so I mean, that's, that's that. And then I think that the, uh, oh, well, I think the other thing is that, um, one of the other things with that is though, is when you ask what's my philosophy on it, um, you know, most firings go like this. <laughs> um, this isn't working out any longer. And how do we make it really easy for you to, you know, or make it easy transition? And um, sometimes that's really effective and sometimes it's not. And, you know, if it when it's not, it's usually an indication that your gut was um, right on about helping that person transition out of your organization and somewhere else. <laughs> so. Um, and when it goes really smoothly, it also kind of validates you that, Hey, you know, that person, if it went this smoothly, that person's probably ready to move on and go do something else, you know, before we're going to go to the last segment of the show, I want to touch on habits a bit. Um, if you had to choose one personal habit that really uh, contributes to your success, what would that be? Um, good question. I mean, if I had one habit, um, I would say that the one habit that's probably done the most for me is probably clarifying my goals and direction on a daily basis. You know, Brian Tracy has that old uh, that old uh, little exercise where you know you write out your top ten goals every single day. You know, I haven't done that in a while. Uh, it's kind of inspired me now that I brought that up to actually start doing it. Um, uh, that's probably one of my habits. Um, that really works well for me. The other one is I have a couple good friends who are successful business owners whom I will speak to almost weekly, you know? And, um, I would definitely say the habit of working out four to five times a week is like vital to life. So, yeah, I mean, you can't take one without the other. Cause then, you know, it flows right into, you know, spirituality and keeping your energy high and finding what your purpose is. Um, or keep working on what you, you know, your the evolution of your purpose, you know. It's been a great time talking with you, but I want to end uh, on a high note, uh, happiness. What brings you joy and really makes you happy in this life? Oh, well, I think, you know, I mean, obviously my children and family, right? So obviously that, and seeing them evolve and them grow, I think um, those are the obvious ones. I think coaching athletes is, um, you get to be there during the breakthroughs, and that's really massive. Um, and then also, you know, with my mastermind and the, my clients, um, 
really attracting great quality people who are doing some very impactful stuff is very rewarding. And, um, you know, and then just figure it like for me, writing and figuring out, constantly figuring out the next evolution of who I am and, and what's out there. So I think that's, you know, I'm a really happy guy. You know, I, um, life's really, really good. And, um, I think one of, when you actually, actually, here's a really good one. When you ask about the habits of what has really made the biggest difference, I would say, you know, it's easy to be happy and grateful when things are moving and um, working out perfectly or or synchronistically for you, and it's obvious. But it's what what I think is really really important, especially for all of us to keep in mind, is that when things aren't working out and you think it's bad, right? You have to look at that contrast, like the opposite of what you want is happening, as just as viable and as important as when things are working out. You need to see that. And so one of the things I do very, very often is I, uh, I mean, very almost instinctively, is I'll see it, and but I won't get wrapped up in it. And then we will keep evolving from it. You see what I mean? And so that's a habit that, um, is very, very important. Everybody listening to this can utilize because, um, you know, you cannot attach bad results to your identity. It's just not a good thing. It's a, it's a trap. Ed, you've been so generous with your time. Let's end today's show with a parting piece of guidance from you and the best way to connect with you. Um, cool, cool. Well, you know, I have my podcast and our, a lot of the seminars and workshops we do are over at edokeefshow.com. That's edokeefshow.com. And like as of right now, we're still giving away my book um, away free if you pay shipping and handling on at timecollapsing.com. Uh, and it's uh, called Time Collapsing, the New Art of Speed, Money, Power, and Meaning. Um, so parting wisdom. <laughs> well, you know, what I what was funny was that I was sharing the, um, the uh, things that create the most joy in my life all, all revolved around relationships. And so in a day and age where people are so uh, tuned into Facebook and Twitter and all these things, the, um, the, the uh, trap is to go one mile wide and one inch deep with your relationships. It's a very easy trap to fall into. Um, and so what I like to suggest is you, know, you create a list of 20 people or 10 people or three people or five people. And you make it your intention for the next 12 months to go one mile deep with all of them. And, uh, instead of going a mile wide, you just go, ten, you know, you just go very, 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 um, uh, hyper focused on the few and watch, just watch if you, if you make it an intention to create value for them. And that's the number one goal. Don't ask for anything, just create value. Um, you'll be amazed at how that will pay you back 10, tenfold, 20 fold, 100 fold. Ed, thank you so much for coming in, uh, and I really appreciate you being such a busy guy and still coming to the show. So everybody who you want to get show notes, go to entrepreneurdecoded.com, and you can find the show notes for Ed's episode right there. Thank you, Ed, for coming in. All right, brother. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for having me, and thanks for everybody who listened. <laughs> thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, go to entrepreneurdecoded.com.